0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com/metaverseimpact:
2: ACast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? It's a behind the scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So, we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you small-town dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.
3: And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry.
4: And I'm Mary Beth.
3: In each episode, our special guest or guests bring with them a movie that traumatized them as a child.
4: This week, we have the largest recording in Scarred for Life history. Our <laughs> guests are the Addams Family, which includes Zelda and Lulu Adams, as well as their parents, Toby Poser and John Adams. They are a family of filmmakers who write, act shoot produce direct edit and score their films just a couple things <laughs> their latest <laughs> film is the witchy hellbender which just released on shutter welcome to the show guys Hello. thanks for having <laughs> us
3: we're really excited to chat with you, and uh, I think this is going to be a, a wild recording. Cause, again, we've ne- we, we're mostly one-on-one or two-on-one, so this is going to be exciting, and I cannot wait. But I do want to know what the thing that we typically do is. We bring it back to the beginning, so I don't know how you all want to address this as a family, but how did you all get introduced to horror?
0: Well, uh, I loved when I was a kid. I, I think I loved Basket Case which I Mm. hadn't then rewatched later because I wasn't that young. I mean, that was what, like 84?
3: I think it was like – it was early 80s for sure.
0: Yeah, but like seedy New York and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. This is just this is like making me uncomfortable, uh, sexy, but it's also just so gritty and cool. And uh, I I wanted to move to New York, and I eventually did after I saw that film. Um, So yeah, Basket Case was maybe my my first realization that oh my god, this twisted shit is fun. Yeah, Yeah, for me,
5: um, (laughs) the thing that uh, I got introduced to horror by my soccer coach, who brought me to see Phantasm. And I didn't sleep for a year. Uh, The tall man (laughs) never left my bed, my mirror, or my window. The tall man was there for – he's still there. (laughs) And um, so since I got so scarred, uh, you know, when we had kids, I couldn't wait to scar them.
6: Yeah. We We practically grew up on horror movies, Lulu and I. And (laughs) – you know, it was like second nature to watch horror movies. Um, like watching PG and G rated movies, like that was a foreign thing to us. <laughs> and so when I was, I think, how old? 11, 12, let me make Oh, The Hatred? Yes. Yeah, yeah so probably like 10. I was like 10, 11. I am really bad with years. But um, we had mm-hmm. just finished our fourth drama, and Toby was working on a really great script. And, you know, John, Lulu, and I were kind of like, all right, twiddling our thumbs, like, what do we do now? And I was like, hey, I would love to just be a kick-ass woman and just, like, kill a bunch of dudes. (laughs) (laughs) And John was like, wow, all right, uh, let's write a story about that.
5: I got some idiot friends we can kill.
6: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, a lot of his old punk rock mates acted in our film The Hatred, and that was, like, when we made our first hour-long horror movie.
4: Yep. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> but so, okay, Lulu, this was for Lulu and Zelda first, but what did you, what kind of films did you watch as kids growing up? Like, what were some of the ones you remember watching and the, maybe one of the first ones you remember watching?
1: Um, kind of half in response to, also, to your first question, one of the first horrors that I was intrigued by seeing all the ads just on my parents' television and stuff was for Saw. And I yeah. decided, speaking oh. me, was going to watch Saw but I thought I was a genius and I was going to wash it in Russian. I thought I would make it funnier. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just laugh at it, you know,
4: if it's Wait, Russian. that's incredible. That is an incredible loophole. But you know
1: what? It did not work out. <laughs> Netflix, I had no idea what was coming on. No verbal cues of anything. Oh yeah, I'll go first. Or you go. You jump in the pool of needles. Is that your terrified of needles? <laughs> Probably.
5: And rush and Russians.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I swear. Um, and I. This was also during our road trip, where we filmed our first movie, Rumble Strips, and we happened to pass a lot of white speed limit signs in the distance that looked just like Saw's face by chance. Oh my oh my God. God. That's that was no. one of my first chances with that. But it stuck with me, honestly, also the idea of building up terror and something very human. You know, mm. there's no sense of magic in that series in the way of these are true humans, you know, committing crimes. Some that can be very human- and you're being punished for him, you know. You're caught. That same feeling of just being a kid with your hand in the cookie jar, getting caught. That <laughs> yeah. was a very real fear. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Except oh, the yeah, cookie jar right. is filled with like spikes or something. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> like razor blade, razor oh, blade.
1: Chocolate yeah. chip cookie, into hint <laughs> razor blade.
6: Check out the salt. <laughs> <laughs> Mine isn't as like uh, realistic as yours, and people are normally surprised when I tell them like the first movie that really terrified me but got me into horror it was Coraline I watched oh. Coraline
4: oh hell yeah
6: that yeah, incra- yeah. that was supposed to be a kids movie but it scarred me like it was so invasive and it had me questioning like are my parents my real parents oh my god like am I Coraline are they gonna sew buttons into my eyes so yeah why don't
4: I have curls like they do? podcast before. Like someone brought that. It, it, mm-hmm. scar- it scarred them for life. And that movie also freaked me out when I saw it. Like it is not fun it is not a kids movie. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so uh my mind just like I'm just still thinking about Button Eyes. <laughs> I'm just I'm like
6: I'm I'm really- stuck. <laughs> You
3: too? <laughs>
5: and Russians.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right, and Russians, scary Russians that I can't understand, and they're putting my hands in cookie jars. It's, it's, just, it's a whole thing over here. Um, okay, <laughs> so for, uh, for Toby and John, um, what, what draws you to the genre now that you're adults and you've been working in it and you've experienced um, so many different movies over, over the last few decades?
5: Uh, that, that the horror community is so wonderful and that when you make horror, you're allowed so much more artistic freedom. Uh, They don't care. The horror community, the horror press, they, they don't care whether you have a star, they don't care about production value. They care if you put your heart into it. And that's a beautiful thing. And so like, basically, as artists, making horror is just a (laughs) wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, and it's also – I think that we're like a really kind of fun, loving family, and I don't – and I think we're pretty damn happy. But somehow it's just felt so natural to move into horror when you feel kind of happy. It's almost like the happier we are, the more excited we are to make
4: horror. (laughs) 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 It's a strange kind of paradox. That's that's so cool. I've never thought about it like that. That's cool. Well, like
0: if you think about some of the best villains are – the nicest looking people and some of the, mm. the funniest people are probably really, really sad in real life. And so yeah, I think I think that our happiness helps us kind of delve into the darkness because we're just we love we love playing with those extremes.
3: Mm. Yeah, I love that. Cool. Now you guys have been making movies together and uh you've been making horror films and uh it sounds like Lulu and, and Zelda you've kind of been raised on horror films. <laughs> Do horror films scare you now?
6: You know, it's really interesting. I've been talking to John and Toby, like, I haven't had a horror movie scare me in a really long time. And it makes us talk about, well, what about a horror film really makes you scared? I think the last time I felt like, I don't know if it was scared or just, like, off or uneasy, but I was watching Hereditary, and there's, like, a part where there's, like, a figure in the background, and it's really, (laughs) really dark, and it's like, can I see that or not? Am I supposed
1: to be seeing that? And that was, like, the last time I felt Uneasy. How about you, Lou? Um, for me, it's a lot more realistic things now. In the past, it used to be you know scary monsters that are unbeatable that just bothered me. You know, I was like, well, how are you supposed to beat then You can chop off their arms and it doesn't do nothing to them. <laughs> but now it's a lot more realistic, such as I think Toby feels the same. But about zombie movies and certain diseases, you know, or um, kind of psychological disorders, like things that feel way more close to home and almost mm, mm-hmm. relatable.
5: Yeah, I I haven't been scared. I mean, yeah, obviously I love like, you know, when a loud cymbal bangs in the theater and I get a jump stand. Right. and That's fun. That's <laughs> that's one kind of scare, but I haven't been psychologically scared like the way I was as a kid. But I I find horror movies a lot more fun now because they're metaphors for actual things that are scary. Mm. So the psychological terror is something that i really like um Mm -hmm. and i like like uh the black humor the dark humor of horror movies so those two things are now what thrill me it's like when i see something just gruesome i have to giggle because it's like oh my god it's so
3: fucking dark
5: (laughs) i love moments like that so yeah but i don't i don't i i don't like I don't go to bed at night and be like, oh my god, I hope Saw Guy doesn't come after me. You know, I mean
4: <laughs> Just the Phantasm, just the tall man from Phantasm. The tall man
5: still he can still creep around. He's still creeping around. <laughs> and that fucking metal ball.
3: <laughs> the Swiss Army knives with metal balls. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my god, you're so right. It's just a this army knife. I now I'm not scared anymore. You ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it! Yeah, yeah. What the hell? I that never even always- thought about that. That was so great.
4: <laughs> but Toby, uh, what about you? Like, a, a movie scared you? Has like, what was the last movie that scared you?
0: Oh well, it's funny because uh, I can't wait to talk about the movie we're going to talk about. I won't mention it because rewatching it, I was pretty fucking terrified and i'll go into that later about why but i will say the biggest jump scare i've had like and actually got to see this in a movie theater we were at telluride horror show this past fall amazing festival wonderful people and films and we we were in the Mm -hmm. big theater watch antlers and it's so dark and in the beginning i had that huge. i literally jumped out of my seat and and i think zelda was sitting next to me and i was just like i must have raised out of my seat two feet (laughs) And that was really fun. It was so much fun to get scared like that again. It was like (laughs) the classic popcorn thrown up in the air. I
6: I think that it was the sound. The sound was just so crisp and so loud and jarring. Like it's you have to react if you don't you're a
0: sociopath I think. <laughs> <laughs> and being in a theater again was
4: really cool yeah i was gonna say that movie must have been so good in a theater i watched it at, on my tv and it was great but oh on a theater that must have been like with the sound design especially right.
1: asmr <laughs> <laughs>
3: Isn't Telluride gorgeous, though?
6: Yes. It's our favorite place ever. We want to go there. Yes.
3: And the festival
5: there, Telluride Horror Show.
3: Oh, it's wonderful.
5: If anybody out there (laughs) loves festivals, it is a wonderful festival with super wonderful people and great Mm -hmm. movies.
3: Yeah, that was my first festival I ever went to was in 2018 with with Telluride. And it was... It was so fantastic. Um, what a great experience. Yeah. Oh, so it's interesting, though, that um, I, th- I think it was, we can't see you, but I think it was Zelda that you said this about Hereditary. Was that you? Yeah,
6: yeah.
3: Uh, that movie comes up a whole lot on the podcast <laughs> as one that, like, terrified people even <laughs> to, to this day. And right. I, it, it's, it is that moment, that moment in the theater, especially if you, I don't know if you guys saw it in the theater or not. Yeah. But hearing the gasps around the theater as people saw that form in the background was just, that's what movie going is all about.
6: Uh, Absolutely. It's, it's all about the things that, like, you just don't commonly see. Like, I don't really see that happen a lot in horror movies. It's kind of the same with uh, Midsommar. Mm. I've never seen a horror movie that's shot in all brightness. And, like, yeah. I, and like the cliff scene, I, I won't spoil what happens, but, like, just the sound of it oh was God. so Oof. dull, actually, that it felt real. It wasn't like a Hollywood crash. It was like a thump. <laughs> and I was like, wait, that actually sounded real. I'm a little
0: scared. Uh-huh. It was horrific. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the sound design in that is just on another level. Uh-huh. And, and and
5: like just even speaking of Hereditary, what's fun is when you watch movies that introduce something that you've seen over and over again in a new way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what was fun for me about Hereditary was after the girl gets her head knocked off, the kid sits in the car. Yeah. And he just sits in the car. Oh, and yeah. It's like, I think... I I imagine that all of us sat in our seats knowing that we would probably sit in the car just like him. And it was really excellent. And that's a new way. Instead of being like, ah, ah, like the classic reactions that we're all used to, suddenly it was a brand new
4: reaction to something horrific. And it was so well done.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was.
4: That scene makes me nauseous just thinking about it. Sorry, <laughs> it's just like Ugh. Yeah, but it kind of
5: makes me laugh
4: because it's like <laughs> it's just so funny when they
5: then they refer back to the head and the ants, and I'm like, oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, yeah, when she so- just makes when she makes like the diorama of it and her husband is like yeah, what right. is wrong with you so, I mean you know brilliant. everyone's laughing
5: when they're filming that you have to laugh you have to be on set laughing you know like quiet on set <laughs> <laughs>
1: But dude, there's ants in the
3: head. It's funny. <laughs> it really is. Actually, that moment in the movie theater, I was, I was snickering. Everyone else around me it was like giving me yeah, looks. From yeah. like, this okay, is okay. This not is funny. Next to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so let's transition a little bit to to the filmmaking side. I'm curious about how all of you got involved. Going back from with, with Toby and John, and then all and then getting uh, your kids involved. How did this all kind of come about.
0: Well, uh, so we were living in Los Angeles in two thousand. We moved to Los Angeles in two thousand eight and uh mm-hmm. my John was doing this cool kind of rock and roll reality show. So he was around a lot of sets and thought it was cool and I had been my acting jobs had really like tanked at that point and I was a little frustrated and we just said, you know what? Let's just make our own fucking movie. You know, we can write. We can get a camera. The kids are interested. So we bought an old RV. We called it Harvey the RV. And we took off for a year in Harvey and made our first film, Rumble Strips. And we were just kind of hooked. And Zelda was six and Lulu was 11. And then um, we've made like seven features since then. And it's just been such a wonderful evolution that we can do together. And it just gets better and better. For us, hell yeah, that's so
4: cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I when I when I first saw the deeper you dig, I was so excited that it was like a family thing, and I was so fascinated. And it's like you guys just work together so well, and so it looks like you work together well, like on like in the movie. But so, is it hard working all together as a family as the only people working on the project?
6: Uh, I found that it's like way easier because I mean, first of all, like as a family, we're all really close when we're not filming, but. Like, so much of our filming life and, like, our family life is intertwined, so it's really beautiful in that way. Like, we just know each other so well. It's kind of like growing up with a sports team, you just know each other, like, the back of your hand. (laughs)
0: Um,
6: And, like, we've all started at the same time, too, so... I like to think that like we're all equals since we've grown the mm. same way, evolutionized the same way together.
5: Wow. Cheers. That's
4: cool. <laughs> that was really. That's it. That's all we have to talk about. That is
3: it. <laughs> 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 so that brings us to Hellbender, and it comes out on Shudder on Thursday. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about the film and what they can expect?
5: Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's about these creatures called hellbenders – And it's a mother and a daughter. And it's how they both navigate through their relationship and through what they're destined to be. Mm. And it's really fun because they're not humans. They're one notch above humans. And for me, the funnest part of the movie is when you look at a hellbender, you have to ask yourself whether – it's noble to be a good hellbender or whether you shouldn't Mm. be a good hellbender. And that's what, I find, as one of the members that made this movie, the funnest part of the movie is, like, who gets to sit in the seat of judgment and why? Like, when we watch a wolf kill a rabbit, is that a bad wolf? Do we go, bad wolf? Or do we go, like, wow, that's an ass-kicking wolf, and that was a slow rabbit? <laughs> <laughs> so it's, that's what Hellbender is about to me. What do you, what do you think, uh, Anybody?
0: And they're in a kick-ass rock band.
4: Yeah. Oh, my God. Those are the best parts. I was like, this is a musical? Like, (laughs) a (laughs) musical? (laughs) I'm so glad you say that because (laughs) when we set out on this,
5: I kept saying very quietly, I was like, I want to make a musical. But I hate musicals, so uh, we're not gonna make a musical. But I'm gonna make a musical.
4: I mean, like this—you could just call this a musical. You have great, like, music and musical interludes, and everyone has badass outfits and stage makeup on. Like, it's perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Cool. Yeah.
6: I like to uh, think of it as like a compilation of really cool music videos because before this movie. Yeah, before this movie, we had actually made several music videos because we've been a band for like 10 years. And we were like, you know what? We really, really have to integrate this band playing into our next movie. So, so much of it shares the aspects of those music videos and the music that we make together.
3: Okay, I didn't realize you guys have been performing as a band for 10 years. That's that's wild. It's Yeah
5: it's been great and we've, and we've like changed a lot. We've uh, evolved as a band as the kids grew up and they like, obviously like I pushed black flag on them. So we <laughs> sound like black flag when we started, but you know, as we grew, um, they started pushing back and introducing their music and it was like really cool. So I got to evolve too, as we wrote music together and um, it's, it's been a fun process. And now I think like our music really has a singular sound, like, I think we we pulled from a lot of different sources, and as Hellbender came to fruition, I think our we we, we were really starting to what did you say congeal is that the right word? We were really starting to solidify our sound, right? Right. And um, you know now we really have kind of a singular sound that's super fun. It's kind of like all of our influences. Packed into the burger. It's a vegan burger.
2: But
6: it's- <laughs> 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 What's the? What is your band's name? It's called Hellbender, but <laughs> but all of the E's are sixes, so it's like Hell yeah. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> That's what
0: I'm talking
4: about.
0: Hell, Sagan. We're actually gonna have it. Um, the soundtrack's gonna be released too, a little bit after Shutter release. Um, yeah, we're we're gonna have like vinyl and digital, and there are 20 songs oh, on it, and most of them are the oh, home, wow. but some of them aren't.
5: Yes, yeah, some of the songs that oh, hit exciting. the floor for the movie. Like we wanted a lot of songs, but we so we wrote a lot of songs together for the movie. But obviously, you can't just put in twenty something songs. So the ones that hit the floor are also on the album. So it's gonna be fun.
4: Oh, that's so oh, cool! Wow. I'm
3: gonna have to get them final.
4: <laughs> I'm curious about the like the kind of the the transition from the deeper you dig to Hellbender because it kind of looks like. It's like a little bit like effects a little bit more and like a little bit like, a, like um, I don't know. It seems like you guys have kind of upped production value a little bit between the two. Because I feel like there was a lot of really awesome reaction about The Deeper You Dig when it first came out. And I was curious what it was like to go from that movie to this one.
6: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, first of all, storyline wise, we really wanted to grow. <laughs> Um, like, the great thing about the festival circuit, and after you've released your movie, like, The Deep You Dig, you do get a lot of reviews, and critics saying, oh, I love this part, I didn't like this part as much. And some people were saying, oh, like, I really wish I saw, um, you know, the mother and uh, daughter story a little bit more, so that I could really, like, care about them, and, like, know more about them. So, we sought out to do that in Hellbender, we really, really wanted to evolve the storyline between the mother and daughter, and make them both complex individual individuals, so that the audience just doesn't know who's right or wrong. Mm. You know, anyone can side with whoever. And uh, technologically, um, we all love uh, like really cool camera equipment. I love camera equipment, so we bought a micro lens. A Ronin, which acts as a really great steady cam to add more movement okay. Into the movie, which I love I love movement A lot of the Deeper You Dig was kind of static It was shot, shot on a tripod um, We also got a 4K camera and a drone Wow
3: I was wondering about the drone Because there's, there's definitely some like overhead high shots And I was mm-hmm. like, this has to be a drone it, it looks so crisp and beautiful
5: Yeah, Zelda crashed it on day one Get <laughs> 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 out, out of the
4: way early, I guess <laughs>
5: It was like all fear left after day one because Zelda crashed <laughs> it into the side of a cliff and I had to reach down and pull it off of a pine tree that it, like,
2: it oh, no. the propellers.
5: And Zelda's like, God!
6: When I tell you it was like a miracle, I don't normally believe in miracles, but we were shooting on the side of the cliff. We might have even used the shot in the movie. We did, And yeah. I was acting in it while controlling the drone too. <laughs> <laughs> Like, we got the shot, I was feeling really confident, I was like, alright, let's bring the drone back, and uh, I nailed it right into a tree, and, <laughs> and it fell into this crevice between a tree and the cliff, and luckily it was arm's length away for John to grab it, otherwise it would have been gonzo.
3: I'm only missing two <laughs> fingers.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> the price to pay for but, it. Yeah, the hey, price to pay you know. for art. <laughs> I so I also have to ask this this was filmed in quarantine correct this was filmed during covid right Yep mm-hmm. How was that free because I mean you guys it mostly is just your family so I was curious was that did that even affect how you guys shot
1: Um I think in the beginning when we started shooting it was John Toby and Zelda on the East Coast and I'd been living and teaching in Oregon I just okay. graduated and I was a teacher there for a bit. And so they drove up in this trailer to the to the Pacific Northwest and met with me to film over there and film all along that coastline. Oh wow. Um, for some of those scenic shots. Yeah. And but we were being super COVID conscious and so I wasn't going into contact with my parents actually. So I would drive on my weekends, I would drive my car and camp outside their trailer. And we'd all shoot at a distance, or press start playing and you'd run away and hold your breath and be quiet. <laughs> or, hey, Lulu, hit the start play for us and put yourself back exactly where you were because we put focus on you.
6: <laughs> yeah, the, the scene where I'd pull the chair away from her was me actually just being COVID conscious. I was like, there is no way I'm sitting near this lady, bro. <laughs> I love
1: that. <laughs> So
6: that That's incredible. Really
1: fun and creative, but you know, it made you work hard for the shots that you want, and it did provide a bit of awkwardness between characters that were awkward. <laughs>
3: hmm. Yeah, and, and it's funny because when I first saw the, the films, I saw it out of Fantasia. I was, I, I didn't even clock that you, that there was some distances between people, and then when I was watching it this time, and I, I had done a little bit of research. It's like, oh, and I started to notice it, but I hadn't even noticed it until that that moment.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the scene in the prologue with the women hanging the the grandmother hellbender, we shot a day before lockdown began.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah,
5: we were only just reading about kind of COVID. It was kind of like, it was like, we had a different story, actually. And we, we had that scheduled. So we were shooting that and the headlines started coming in. And we realized, we were like, you know what's going to happen? The world's going to shut down. And the day after we shot that, the world started shutting down. And it was really intense so we changed our script we uh very quickly because we were like well
2: Mm. no we're not going to just
5: sit and do nothing for a year so we just looked at what the story was what the point of the story was and stripped it to its bare essentials and in fact i think it was quite lucky for us because i think what we got was probably better than what we were gonna what we were hoping for because we love to strip down bare story it's really fun
3: cool yeah, and I, and I think that doing that kind of puts the focus more on um, Zelda's character and and Toby, your character. Like it, it really hones in on on that interaction, and I think that's what really drives this movie and makes it incredibly successful. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah.
4: Um, okay, well, we've talked about your careers and your horror beginnings, but Adams Family, what movie <laughs> are we talking about today? The Descent. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, before we jump in, I'm going to read a quick synopsis for people who aren't familiar. Uh, A caving expedition goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators. And I'm actually glad
3: that I had never seen that uh, synopsis before I had watched the movie originally, because... uh, I, you know, I think synopsis sometimes spoil everything. But and, um. <laughs> but anyway, before we get to that, uh, let's take it back. Why is this the Scarred for Life movie? Um, I'm assuming is it for you, Zelda? Is this, is this your movie?
6: Yeah, I actually watched this pretty late in my life. I'm not going to lie. I think I was maybe actually like 13, 14. And okay. it was always sitting in my... We have like a book booklet of discs. And I kept seeing the cover that has like skulls on it. And I was like... Mm-hmm you know like i can't tell if this movie is going to be like a huge cheese fest or if it's actually going to be good (laughs) so i i did I watch it with you john first yeah so i was like all right john do you want to watch this movie with me and he said uh yeah uh (laughs) so we watched it and that was the first time in years that i had the hugest jump scare of my entire life so many movies failed to like hide the monster and this one did Mm. not shy away and i tell you i i think i shat my pants (laughs) (laughs) no way i just saw that on screen
5: you said it was the dog (laughs) the dog shat my
4: pants (laughs) (laughs) wait which jump scare was it that got you so badly
6: oh actually there's a first one where it's a false jump scare and it's just a girl that shows up behind her, maybe halfway through the movie, and they have a huge, like, bomb. And oh, yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. And then I'm like, wait, it's it's just nothing. It's her,
5: it's her friend. <laughs> no, but I remember you were scared to death when they finally reveal yeah. the, the white humanoid. <laughs> like, there's a great wow. first reveal. There's, there's lots of hints of the humanoid. Like, we mm-hmm. see the mouth dripping, and we see movements and stuff. But there's a final... Is it when it's in the... The Infrared?
0: Yeah, I think Yeah, yeah. Yeah. where
5: she just... And then it's just like... And I remember Zelda just being like, what the fuck was that? And it's really (laughs) great because it reveals and then it creeps off. Whoever the actors are, the physical actors, let's hire them for everything. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. They're just wonderful. So
6: skeletal and creepy. And also watching the movie, it was so... (laughs) I, I think this is the word, like, monotonous. Like, it was so much like... Red and just claustrophobia the entire time. It kind of felt like I was seeing the same shot over and over again, which I love because it did make me feel claustrophobic. And then mm-hmm. to have that like spark, that jump right there, like totally like I was not expecting it, and it changed my entire vision.
0: It was so great. But also that first like when the first like what a minute, two minutes with with uh, oh, yeah. in the car. Oh
4: no! Mm-hmm. It's just so yes. like shocking. Oh my yeah. god. This movie makes me jump every time I watch it. Like, I've mm-hmm. seen this movie so many times. I know where all the jump scares are, and yet I still jump. And Easy I think enough. that is a testament to how scary this movie is and how good it is. Yep. <laughs> it is relentless.
3: The, the moment that made me jump this, this time, and I again, like Mary Beth, I've watched this movie so many different times, but I was watching it last night. I still was unprepared. There's a, there's a fake out scene where it's in the cabin and Sarah is is asleep and she gets up and she's walking by the window and Mm -hmm. she hears Jessica laughing. And then the spear goes through and it's a dream, but like I fucking jumped and went, ah, I actually screamed (laughs) and I've seen this movie so many times, but that (laughs) moment it's so disarming in the way that it can get you. Seriously. What
5: we were, what Toby and I were noticing when we rewatched it was how, how entertaining it is they never stop they start the movie out with a great kill Mm -hmm. and then they continue them like they never give you much of a span to relax they're always giving you something gory something terrifying something awful and that's really well done and really well spaced and it's never cheap like even like a jump scare like that it was just so well executed that it's it's like cool. I buy it. It's good. Like those copper tubes going right through the window and into her skull mm-hmm. was like okay. Oh my god, that was terrifying and it, and just relentless with the entertainment, the horror entertainment value.
3: Yeah,
4: one hundred percent. And like I know that Terry and I were talking like in our notes, talking about like you said that it's like paced really well. Like the storytelling like starts and doesn't stop, and it's like very consolidated in how it tells the story, but it does it very efficiently and quickly. Like, yes. with setting up the friendships, was setting up the stakes, and I just, yes. it's, like, incredibly precise in how it sets up everything so you care enough about the people without spending too much time with the people.
6: Absolutely, and I think it's actually really interesting, too, because I was watching it with Lulu, and I was like, we're 60 or 70 minutes in, and they haven't, oh, no, not 70, like, 60 minutes in, and they hadn't showed the monster yet. I was like, mm-hmm. I thought that they showed it way earlier. But it's so great because they fill in like the first sixty minutes with that first kill, and like all these other gut wrenching injuries and claustrophobic events like the like when the rope slices her hand open i oh. 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 Not a what
3: point. a what a badass character though she's yeah. just like free climbing along the ceiling just putting those uh, i think right? they're called climbing cams in just like one hand at a time i'm like there's first of all there's no way you're ever going to get me in a cave i don't understand people want to go spelunking but <laughs> like
5: absolutely fucking I, I was like god who does this stop
3: <laughs> i mean my idea of camping is going to the motel six so like i i just
2: <laughs>
3: none of this is ever going to happen for me so i'm it's, it's like not a knot of fear that i ever have because if i end up in a cave something has gone dreadfully wrong
0: <laughs> Yeah, I think the almost wor- worse than like, or equally horrific as the jump square jump scares is the claustrophobia. Mm. <laughs> that scene Ugh. in Battle where she gets stuck, and and then yeah. the the rocks start to shift. It made me so fucking uncomfortable. I, I was just like, oh my god, I, I, I need like a quaalude after I watch this. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I did not know I was claustrophobic until I watched this movie, actually. Like, I never thought about it. And then I just, that I found the words for what I was feeling. And it was claustrophobia. And ever since then, I have just hated those small spaces.
3: Well, and that scene is perfectly, like, structured, where, you know, the actress that plays Sarah is, is so phenomenal in yeah. that scene of, of, like, trying to hold it together, the kind of escalating panic of being stuck in that place. And not real, not realizing, you know, in her mind, I could see play out like, oh gosh, I'm stuck here. I'm not going to be able to leave. I'm going to die down here. I can't get out. And Beth comes back and is talking you through it, you know, gets calmed down. And it's, it's sort of like, it's executed like a good jump scare where, you know, there's that tension and then it releases the tension and it jerks it back up. Cause the moment that that whole thing rumbles, it's like, oh fuck, (laughs)
2: they're
3: both going to die now. Like it was just, it's such an excellently crafted tension building scene.
5: Also to that point which is really great of the filmmakers is every single of those women are terrific athletes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So like and they establish that very early on where you're like okay, they may be actresses but they look like athletes first. So mm-hmm. I just put you just buy in. You're like cool. Like the scene where she's running down the hospital hallway when she wakes mm-hmm. up from losing her family to me beyond the fact that it's wonderfully shot with the lighting and everything, it's just this wonderful running shot. I was like, that girl, put a soccer ball in front of that girl and she's going <laughs> to score a hat <laughs> trick in no time. Yep. I mean, she is such a wonderful athlete. And then suddenly you're with all these other great athletes. They establish them as great athletes and powerful women, uh, whitewater rafting. So it's like mm-hmm. that's so such smart storytelling because – you you are buying this and when they're walking into that cave like i i'm bought, i'm bought in like the fact that these ladies are going to drop down into this hole if they were cheesy – if it was cheesy kind of flat characters, I'd be like, oh, brother, this is going to be so dumb. But I'm like, wow, I want to see what these badasses do down there. Mm-hmm. And they kick some ass even once they're down there, you know? Well, yeah. and
4: that – so I love this movie because it has an incredible inter- – like incredible representation of female friendships and specifically like friend mm-hmm. groups of full of women as a woman who has had a, like a group of female friends. Like and this was written by a man, which is shocking. I will just say it. Like that, Mm -hmm. Neil Marshall wrote this really incredible, like like complex group of women who all have their own distinct personalities that are established very quickly, and you get to know them really quickly, and then how they know each other. And I just think the intricacies of that are incredible because you don't get a lot of that in horror. You get like a lot of really, you know, shallow high school friendships, you know, and you'll have cool relationships between like two women, but having this whole group and dynamic make everything even more complex and kind of stakes are even higher. I just love that about this movie. And I've loved that even more as I've watched like as a kid, I didn't clock that like I had no clue. I liked monsters and the claustrophobia. But as I watch it, I get more of an appreciation about The kind of matriarchal system that they have going on in this movie as they descend into the cave.
6: Absolutely. It kind of had me like, oh, I want to be a part of this friend group. Just like scratch (laughs) the second half of the movie, please.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Forget all like the cheating and stuff, but like you guys seem cool for the most part.
0: (laughs) Also, something that's really cool is they never like indicate that oh we're a bunch of badass women. They're just fucking badasses. They
3: mm-hmm. never go out
0: of the way and say, "Well, we're women doing this." They're just like women doing it, and they're cool. And it's yeah. not like oh yeah. these are these are special women. It's like no, they're just women who are kick ass. And and yeah. and there's no like explanation of that or excuse for for it. You know, I mean, I think the closest you come is when one one of them says. Hey, I'm a school teacher. You know, like, what am I doing down here? But she's still like a school teacher who can, like, you know, do the most insane things. To survive.
3: That's actually my favorite line in this movie on a rewatch because she's like, I'm an English teacher, not fucking Tomb Raider. <laughs> when they're looking down to that tomb, right? And what's funny is that uh, event like in 2013, when they did the video game re- uh, re- reboot of Tomb Raider, they pulled a lot from this movie. There's the climbing axes. There's the piles of bodies. There's a pool of blood that Laura Croft ends up being submerged in. And it's like, this, like the first reboot of the Terminator is sort of like a a like a descent her woman kind of going into like a person that starts out being like a regular woman having to face the most adverse uh adversity and like violence and death and monsters imaginable and so I think it's funny that this line is in here and then like eight years later there's a video game that is cribbing from this movie completely.
6: That's <laughs> smart. so cool. I had no idea about that. I love that. It's super
5: cool. Yeah. For me, re rewatching it, the first time I watched it, I really didn't like Juno. I was like, God, she's such a mm. kind of jerk, you know? Mm-hmm. But this time, I loved her the most. And I think that that's great storytelling. And that's something that we would like to do you know, that's something that we love is like where, you know, she's, a, she's the anti-hero. But in fact, mm-hmm. she's insanely heroic. She's got a great mm-hmm. value system. She does take responsibility for her fuck-ups. And she's a total badass, which are all qualities that we all like. And I love that this movie makes the kind of bad girl. If you sit and think about it, you watch the movie enough, you're kind of like, you know what? She's kind of <laughs> the hero. Even in the end. When she thinks she might get executed by Sarah, mm-hmm. she takes it. And yeah. Sarah delivers her a very terrible thing. She doesn't mm-hmm. deliver her an execution where she's free from her guilt that probably this whole movie is built around her trying to get rid of. She takes the punishment of the worst punishment of all, which is being left there, unable to leave. And, yeah. And she, and she takes it great. So great storytelling.
3: I'm glad that you said that, John, because – Mary Beth and I were having an offline conversation before when she was rewatching this movie. And I actually had the same reaction to Juno this time when I first saw this movie. I was like, Uh, oh, you're a horrible person. But I was watching this now. And I'm like, no, she's actually like, it, it was a mistake. The the, the uh, relationship is probably a mistake, as you said. This whole thing is based on on the idea of guilt for her, because her thing, even when all the other women are ready to just hightail it and run in all different different directions, she says, "No, I am not leaving Sarah behind." Yes. And so you have you have that aspect of it, and then she, she didn't mean to kill Beth. I mean, it was right. horrible, and that was one of the jump scares that, like, still every time I see it, I'm always it always gets me because it's so. You have like women jumping up and scaring them and that's been like a jump scare as you mentioned Zelda a couple times in this movie earlier on. And this is a time where it's a jump scare where she turns around she thinks she's going to kill the monster and it's actually her friend. And that was such a – it's such a oof moment for me.
5: But it's smart storytelling again. She didn't actually kill her. Sarah killed her right yeah so it's that's you, true. it's like it's really 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 complicated the first time I'm like god that that was a bitchy move you know but you know <laughs> then this time I'm like no it's not she is a hero she's this really cool hero I love Such the complicated hero that's great writing yeah. Yeah. yeah
4: right yeah I texted Terry I was like you know what Juno's a mess but I love her for it <laughs> right. like again like all of us I was just like Juno's a bitch and then I'm watching it and I'm like do you know what she's trying her fucking best in the way that Juno can try her best like she really does have actually good intentions like if you she does have good intentions they're not well informed intentions (laughs) and they're very misguided intentions but they're good for the most part and I love a good female character who is a mess and who doesn't apologize for being a mess and is allowed to be a mess and I just love that about this movie. Again, like really smart writing about creating these characters who are like empathetic but also a mess. I
5: love yeah. that so much. And on
4: a metaphorical level, on a metaphorical level,
5: she goes deep down to get forgiveness, yeah. and mm-hmm. she is not given it. She's. It's like when you really have hurt somebody you really love, and you ask for forgiveness, and they twist the guilt harder and that's what she's left with is the guilt twisted a little harder
2: Mm
3: -hmm. and
5: she took her there to find forgiveness and she did not get it so it's really cool great metaphor
3: yeah so we heard when when zelda first saw this but i'm curious lulu and and toby when did you both see this movie for the first time
1: um i saw it also years ago i think i probably was a
0: tween (laughs) somewhere (laughs) around there uh what about you toby Oh, I actually have – it's a fun memory because I took one of my best friends to see it in the movie theater in New York City, and I didn't know that there existed this thing called people who don't do horror. (laughs) And the movie is over, and my friend goes, Toby – why did you bring me to this? I don't watch horror films. And I didn't even know such a thing existed. What I just figured horror? everyone likes horror. Is, there, is there, there actually is like a breed of human that doesn't do horror. And now that we make horror, I realize, realize there are lots of humans who don't do horror. And I always feel a little bad for them.
3: <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: And so, As you should. That was my memory. I took her, my friend who doesn't do hard to the descent and she it took a while for her to forgive me. Oh,
6: what? A, I was going to say like that movie. is
4: not a good movie for a person who does not like horror. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> not it. <laughs> uh,
3: you know, it's it's funny all this this memory. I I saw this movie for the first time in I think it was 2005, before it had a American release, um, I talked about this one when we were talking with Rob Savage about Wreck. That was his movie that, that terrified him as it is growing up. And at that time, I had discovered that eBay sometimes sells DVDs. I didn't know that it I, – I honestly did not know at the time that these are probably like – you know recorded off of you know who knows what but there was this was before it was I... even announced that it was coming here no i honestly <laughs> didn't i honestly uh, did right. not <laughs> and i i was like oh gosh i can get this on ebay i can get a dvd of the descent i don't know when it's coming here to the united states so i ordered it and it was a region one and it came here it would not work on my dvd player in my living room so i sat on my computer i had my headphones on just sort of like i am sitting right here and i it was night it was light dark out i had all the lights out and i'm sitting there watching this Movie, and my copy was so dark because, again, it wasn't a real copy, I don't think. And it was so dark that even like there's, there's hints you guys mentioned earlier. There's like hints that there's a creature around. I didn't see those. So like the creature where there's the shot of it, like sitting there drooling out of its mouth, did not see that the shot where Sarah is like moving her camera, her like light along the surface and there's something on the wall. And then when she goes back, it's gone. Did not see that either. (laughs) So this entire time, I think this is just them in the caves dealing with the cave in. And then we get to the part where it's the infamous infrared shot and I'm like, what is going on here? And then all of a sudden, it's there. And I literally fell out of my chair. My headphones got pulled out of my computer. I screamed. I had My neighbors next door were my friends. And they were pounding on, on my apartment wall going, are you okay in there? Because I was terrified. Because I did not know that there were monsters in it. And that's why I'm like, if I had seen the synopsis on IMDb, I would have known. But I was not prepared. And I was...
4: Fucking terrified. It was <laughs> the most
3: terrified I've ever been movie. I've been a movie. waiting
4: for this story for years. I'm so happy. <laughs> you wouldn't on tell me walk. until someone talked about it on the podcast. And now I get it. And I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking
3: fell out of my chair. And then I would do it two years later with Wreck because it's the same. I had a pretty much a similar experience with Wreck two years later. Uh, just sitting on my computer, minding my own business, and then just getting the shit scared out of me. <laughs> I love how movies can do that though.
4: <laughs>
5: it's
3: great. I yeah. was,
4: um, 12 when I saw it. Wow. Um, and it didn't scare me. I loved the shit out of it, which was so funny. I loved it. Like, mm-hmm. my dad and I obsessed with it. I, and like, I was more scared of the tunnels than I was of the monster. What? I was like, no, the monster's like wow. probably fake, but the tunnels, like, absolutely <laughs> the fuck not. And like, mm-hmm. the worst was when they're, they're climbing across the gap with the clips. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could not, like, when she watching her, like, pull her arm up and do the clip, I was like, I would just be dead immediately. Like, there's no surviving (laughs) for me. Like, even as a 12-year-old, I was like, there's no way I could ever survive anything like this. (laughs) Yeah. And it was the first time I ever saw, like, a super bleak ending for a movie. Mm. It was, like, my first kind of realization about that movies can end not happily. Like I probably had seen some before like that, but it was just like the first time in my head, I like conceptualized of not all stories are like ending and happily. Mm
3: -hmm. And
4: I really loved that. And I think that probably start, kick-started me down the path now where I love absolutely like, fucked-up nihilistic movies. So like I'm pretty sure The Descent probably gets some credit there at the beginning. But my it was funny because it was like the first time that I realized that my dad and I have very different tastes in movies because he liked it, but he didn't like the ending. He thought it was too vague, mm. and I was like, I love it. So we started diverging in our tastes. I was going for the more like, oh yeah, the dark and weird, and he wanted more like slasher kind of ending. But... Mm.
5: Interesting yeah, that you wow. brought up the ending because yeah. last night we watched the movie and it ended and I was like, what the fuck is that? That's not what I saw. This is yeah. bullshit. This is like a pirated version. They and, and then I quickly got on the internet. I'm like, we just got a bogus copy of this thing <laughs> because the ending's wrong. And then... I read about there's two endings and one there for are. Americans and one for the director who wanted a particular ending and it's like so the first time I saw the director's ending and I remember it really troubled me cuz I cuz you have that relief you're like relieved mm-hmm. and then suddenly he snatches it back from you so yes. it's it was like so it's just like a double whammy like you know that was so cool but last night they they gave you a relief because it was the American version. I was like, oh, yep. I think I'm going to go with the director on that. Cause it was such a heartbreaker.
3: Well, it's interesting also because when I, that counterfeit copy that I had was the director's edition from the UK. So it was that full ending. And then when the descent was announced and it finally was overseas and it was the movie theater, I took my friends to go see it. I was like, you got to see this movie. This movie is fucking awesome. And I'm watching it. And then we get to the ending. I'm like, what the shit? Right. <laughs> because the ending is com- <laughs> is completely different. I'm like, this is, dumb. why did they do right. this? And yeah, and and it, what happened was he had filmed it, and then when they were releasing it over in, in the states, I guess it didn't test very well right. in some in some like cases where people were complaining because it was too bleak, and so. Uh, did you watch
5: the entire movie? Right, <laughs> <Even laughs> <it> seriously, <laughs> like, madam, we think it's too bleak. Okay, did you did you just watch this movie? Shut up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and I did find an interview uh, with. Uh, Neil Marshall, where he was talking about the endings, and he brought up the the differences in, in the endings and why and why there was a different ending in in, in the estates. and he talks about how, to his mind, her and this is a quote, her escaping at the end. Is even more bleak than her losing her mind and being with her daughter in the original ending. After what's happened to her and what could happen to her, surviving an incident where all her friends are killed, there may be blame laid upon her. She may end up in prison. Psychologically, she's screwed. He says it reminded me of the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She saw she survives, but she's clearly out of her mind with fear and madness. So I don't see it as being a happy ending at all, having her get out of the cave. And so it was interesting seeing him talk about that because that was the whole reason that they cut that that last you know what twenty seconds was because right. They wanted a happy ending.
5: <laughs> right. However, I would rather get out of the cave than stay in the cave. So,
3: <laughs> I mean, true. <laughs>
5: I'll take the craziness and the guilt. True. <laughs> Go get a chocolate milkshake and feel better.
4: <laughs> that's so weird because when i saw it for the first time it was the cut it was the cut with her with the birthday cake right the one i saw that's the I original saw. cut that's the original cut yeah. right right
3: mm-hmm. okay. they released it here as uh, on the it was the unrated cut had the oh
4: that's right that's okay that's what i watched i was thinking about, what, about a blockbuster because that's where i remember getting <laughs> this movie
2: from,
3: from and it's funny because like um i i have that unrated cut on on dvd somewhere but like uh I was like, you know, I'm just going to watch it on streaming last night. And the the streaming edition they had was the American cut, and it didn't have that. And I was like, (laughs) ah. I haven't watched this movie in a minute, and that's what I get, the American ending.
0: (laughs) I love Uh, the character Holly, too. The Irish girl who's just such kind of a daredevil. She's so young and, like, (sighs) impulsive. And then it's kind of brutal what she goes to, but she's such a badass, you know?
3: Yeah, that that moment is like the first moment that it was like this, this shit is real. And I was like, okay, they're not I I was at that moment. I was like, they're not going to get out of this when she goes running (laughs) from daylight. And she ends up falling and breaking her leg. It's it's such a
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: that's a painful scene.
2: I also
4: realized that one of my biggest Yeah, like my biggest fear, I realized, is a compound fracture. After I saw this movie, I was like, I did not know. Like again, I was young. I was like, I did not know your bones could pierce your skin. Like you could do that. That's not what they're supposed to do. It's just like, wait, this can happen to people. Yeah, this movie. No, it's okay. You just push them back
5: in. (laughs) (laughs) You just need a good friend to push them back in. Get a splint, and you're fine.
4: Just, like, hobble your way mouth. through a cave system full of weird <laughs> it's cannibals. It work it's, out. Fine. it's
0: fine. Oh, and you know what's also an awesome scene? It's when there's, like, the mother and child humanoids. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, that
5: was cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know? And it's so cool. Oh.
5: The mother's you know, in, in, like,
0: the blood pool mm. and everything. Yep. love the blood pool. Yeah. that's so love cool a that good there's a mother. Pool. You know, her, like, tits are hanging down. and she's And, you know, she's, like, looking for her little baby, her little girl. Toddler humanoid who just got off, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
4: Little
0: toddler humanoid, oh, Oh, good. And then she goes
3: chasing off after Sarah.
0: Yeah, and it's so fitting, you know. Of course, that they had the Sarah who lost her child. You know, Mm be the one. It was like, oh, this this is just so cool. You're so smart. I didn't think of that. That's so
5: great. I didn't
3: either until just now. That's that's amazing.
5: Wow! Whoa. Toby brought oh, the visuals shit. down. <laughs> Boom. Um, also, technologically, if is that right? Um, it's filmed insanely well because obviously, if you're mm. down in a cake splunking, you're only going to have that little headlight, which doesn't light anything, <laughs> and right. so it was really intelligently lit because obviously it's studio lit. But it doesn't feel like it like a lot of the time no. when you watch a Hollywood movie in a cave or something like that, it's all lit up and you're like, oh my God, it looks so corny but in this like case, the sequel he, he does oh you know what I haven't seen a sequel so you just convinced <laughs> me not to. But,
3: oh my God, no yeah the so sequel is horrible. Lit. So
5: kind of honestly and, and intelligently, you know they really try to do their best. Not to just be like, oh, like, let's just light up the cave and have them crawl through it with their headlamps.
4: I also think this film is filmed incredibly well because it's got these aspects of first person POV and found footage. And everyone who listens to this knows I'm found footage obsessed. So like mm-hmm. any elements of that and horror, I love a ton, especially here when like the big reveal about the creatures comes from that first person point of view through the camera and it's like you and you the viewer and the characters are put in the same subject position and at the same time realize something and it's just kind of cool to have that that realization that way but then there's it's also as it is used as an extension especially for Sarah when she's watching them eat What I think is it Holly or it's Holly? Mm -hmm. Is it Holly? Okay, they're eating Holly, and you view it through the the night vision, and it's just incredible. And but you're so and you're so close to it, which makes it even. And when it sniffs the camera, like that part, oh, like I know it's not a new thing, but that will always scare me. If you have a creature sniff the camera or get really close to something, like it'll oh, you guaranteed to give me goosebumps. (laughs) And so (laughs) it just it's exactly, and you're like. Oh my God, it's going to feel her breath. It's going to eat her. Um, And I just love how those techniques are used in films like this. And it just makes Mm -hmm. my little found footage heart happy.
5: I love that you bring that up. I didn't think about that, but you're right. As a vehicle, that's so smart that we're sitting in the same seat as the star looking through Mm -hmm. her camera. That's Mm -hmm. really a great point. Mm -hmm.
1: There was one thing about what you said, though, about uh, sniffing. Probably the only thing that actually bothered me was... When they did their screeching and they've kind of determined by the youngest one who's a medical student that they use sonar and they compare them to bats. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. bats echo sound off of things and they scream and they're face to face with these people and nothing, you know, they scream in front of them. But do not catch their sonar. You know what they, mm-hmm. they they walk around blindly, but they don't catch that there's an object there that's never been there. And that was the only thing that took me out of it a bit sometimes. And you know, yeah. I already knew that they were monsters and more figment of imagination. <clears throat> and I was mostly just excited by all the imagery and all the metaphors inside of it. But that was the one part that took me out. I don't know if you guys felt that. And way. how that come we excuse. can shoot
5: Michael so many times and he doesn't die? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let me. Damn it!
4: Well, I Evil you were dies tonight. Bring up, I, I think you're also going to bring up though oh. when like they're high. I think it's the sisters are hiding, and her watch goes off, and that part gives me like oh, fucking right. nightmares. Because like you said, it's even though it's like like you can't see what's in front of you, but at the same time, it still scared the shit out of me oh. when her watch went off. It still scared oh, yeah. me.
0: I loved it when the when the like. Humanoid dude steps on her face. Oh oh, yes! like sitting on her. That was so cool. oh Yeah,
5: Yeah, they take liberties, but I like them. I like them. You deserve them. Yeah, you get to like. I think they work hard enough that they can take them. Oh Um, totally!
1: They've they've earned it. I just always notice those small things, and I feel cool. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I mean, I was
5: noticing them too. I was like, "Uh," like even sniffing the camera. It's like. Definitely, that's going to have some heavy sniffs. <laughs> that's going to be a foreign foreign object for sure.
3: But but you so one of you brought up Sam, the youngest member, and that's another character beat that I really loved in this in this film because she's sort of like. She she's there with her sister, the older Rebecca, and Rebecca kind of treats her kind of like a daughter almost. She has like a motherly vibe to her. She's like, you know, now we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this, and Sam's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. But she definitely seems the least sure of herself in this in this group. Mm-hmm. And the moment that Holly falls and breaks her leg, because Sam is a doctor, she just like snaps into it. And she's like, okay, you need to do this, we need to do this, we need to push the bone back oh, in, we need to do this. Yeah. And it's such a an interesting moment because the entire time she is the one that's being like protected and just like being through. Through the whole thing, and it's at that moment when everyone else is about ready to start fucking freaking out that she's like, "No, get it together. Put this bone in. Get a splint. Let's fix her leg." And I just, it's such a small part that I never noticed before until this watch. And I'm like, "Oh, that is such a nice character moment." Because everyone kind of gets that kind of moment to shine. Mm-hmm. You have Rebecca kind of doing the free climbing over the the ravine. Mm-hmm. Juno, of course, is being a badass. Sarah, down her, like, descent path <laughs> into madness. Uh, you know, you have Beth. Uh, she's sort of, like, the suspicious of Juno's relationship, and she's sort of the kind of catalyst for that. And so you have all these moments, and then she gets that one moment right there where she basically, if there were no creatures, she would have saved, you know, Holly's life. <laughs>
0: That's
3: yeah. That's a great point.
0: And I love the scene when she has to go back across the ravine oh, yeah. that her sister was on, you know. Mm. I mean, she's so heroic. You know, I I love that. It's one of the scenes I remembered most from the first time I had watched. It was Sam. Same with you, the doctor stuff because I like that stuff. And then also, yeah, going across the ravine and then how she dies in that kind of arched oh. position. Yeah, is incredibly visual.
3: Yeah, just hanging there, kind of. She kind of sacrificed herself for totally. the rest of the people, life. and it's such a oof. Mm-hmm such a moment
4: well and i love this movie because you are upset with every death you know like a lot of times you you, Mm -hmm. people are picked off and you're kind of like good or you shrug but in this movie i feel like every person that died it hurt like it felt it felt like an emotional impact like you really cared about these characters and again we didn't get a, we didn't spend a ton of time with them but the time Mm -hmm. we do spend is very meaningful and it just makes all of their relationships like all the more all the more impactful and all the more sad
0: Oh, You're God. so right. I thought about that too, and and also how if you go with the you know original ending, how everyone dies is pretty kind of mm-hmm. awesome because you really don't want them to. It's you know it's like you said you you really 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 don't want these these badass bitches to die, mm-hmm. and they and they and the fact that they kind of do is sort of kind of wonderful. I mean, story wise, <laughs> because it's mm-hmm. so tragic.
3: Yeah, and then you watch the sequel, and Sarah goes back in the cave because she's amnesic. And <laughs> Juno is still alive in the cave, and they have another uh, meeting together
5: Wait, who's that still rehashes alive? Oh, uh, Juno's Juno. Alive? Oh, Juno's bad.
3: still alive in the cave, is crawling around with the actresses? crawlers.
6: She's the yeah, same actresses. <laughs> wow.
4: Well, it had nothing to like do with Marshall, payday. because he didn't
3: have <laughs> – Marshall didn't have uh, – the rights to this movie. It was part of the, when he was hired to do it, he didn't get to keep the rights. And they said they're making the movie. They asked him if he wanted to be a part. And he's like, yeah, my, my advice is not to do it. And so they did it anyway. Uh And he's, he's not very happy with it. And it's not, it's not good. Like, you know, uh, John, you're talking about how Hollywood lighting up that it's brighter than anything else in there. It's just, Uh it's everything that this movie gets right. It does.
5: wrong. They went and shot it at the mall. (laughs) <laughs>
3: pretty much <laughs>
5: right <laughs> oh, <probably.
0: laughs>
3: okay I love the creatures I want to talk about the creature design a little bit though because uh, I, in that interview that I found with, with Marshall he talks about he he says, I don't know if everyone understood what the creatures were about. He talks about his idea was that if humans had lived in caves, in caves and the majority of humanity at some point left the cave, caves, these are the ones that went into the caves and thousands and thousands of years ago. And they evolved to live there instead of in houses like the rest of us. And he also shot them at 18 frames per second with a 45 degree shutter to give them that kind of staccato creepy movement. And I think it works so wonderfully here because they, <laughs> they don't move like you would think they should move.
4: Yeah, they move so fast. Do <laughs>
5: we talked about the creatures like all day today because the 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 creature work like artistically is perfect and mm-hmm. so detailed. Like whoever did it, we were talking about. Well, I wonder how long it took for them to get into their creature looks. Like, like how did they do the suits? Their eyes were great. They had to wear contact lenses the just the, the translucence of their skin and then the speckled kind of like like almost like they had a speckledness to them like like how smart how smart is that it's like so smart mm-hmm. that that kind of detail and then as you say they shoot it in frames per second like um gladiator so it's like that action is it's it's moving too fast for you to fully comprehend but it looks insanely violent and it really mm-hmm. captures the splatter really well, so like yeah. I was noticing you don't see a lot like in all the fights, you really don't understand what's going on, but they you buy it it's mm-hmm. it's cut together so fast, like just seconds seconds, seconds seconds put together, and it really works well
0: and I love how the that they're bat like you know. How the, their their features yeah. really are, like their ears and their kind of mouth, and and they they look like kind of Nosferatu, you know? Yes, I, that's yes, exactly what like I was vampires. thinking. I was
4: thinking too; they look just like weird vampires. Yeah, I, I love that.
3: It apparently, took three and a half hours to get an actor in that in that makeup, wow. according to according to IMDb. So who knows if it's true or not? What because is
5: there so great? I'm glad you know this. So what is what is it that they put on their body because it looks like skin? So how, what it is doesn't
3: that? it doesn't say. It just says that they were designed to resemble Nosferatu. They had uh-huh. huge white eyes to begin with, but this idea was done away with because they looked too silly. It took three and a half hours in makeup to transform an actor into a crawler, and they had to shave off their body hair as well.
4: Wow.
5: That's really so they must be naked wearing something that kind of hides their
4: genitals or something. I, like. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a what a day on set that would be. <laughs>
0: Getting real close. But I think that the women, the, fe- the ones that sort of are female identified crawlers, like the mother
4: has hair, you
0: mm,
1: know. And mm-hmm. that's
4: right. That's grown. right. She has like the stringy, like stringy ish long hair. I always forget about the mother. The mother. Um. The the woman crawler.
3: She's great. Yeah. 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 She has a great jump scare too. When 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 Sarah is emerging from the blood goo. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> and it got me this last time too, where all of a sudden it's like leaping out behind her and kind of mm-hmm. grabs her and she has to like have this forced fight in the in the goo with it it's like such a great such a great scene
4: oh yeah i, can I always hate that character. scene though oh sorry um,
6: oh i was just saying I can feel it when I watch it, like, being in that water, just, like, Mm -hmm. I do a lot of water wrestling with Lulu, and it's not easy.
1: It's it's slippery and scary, I always lose. I'm happy you said that last part. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, it was really interesting, also, that that was one of the longest battles that you saw um, Mm -hmm. with one of the humanoids, and it was the only one with long hair around the same length as hers. I almost was like maybe this is kind of a symbolism that is her fighting her kind of demon <gasps> self. And I think there are something around the same number of demons that you see at some point as her friend. So I thought, you know, maybe she's like fighting her creations and this is her fighting against what she's created. I'm sorry. Well. What the fuck? That was incredible. <laughs> I wrote a ton of notes while I was watching this. I was nerding out. So that leads
3: me to a question, though, because uh, one of the the theories on the internet is that the monsters are all in Sarah's head, and she's the one Mm -hmm. that's actually killing her friends. And I was Mm -hmm. curious... What y'all thought about that in, in regards to the movie?
5: No, I think it's a monster movie. that's why <laughs> it's, so it's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> yeah. Somebody <laughs> overthought that one. <laughs> but it's good that they're overthinking it.
0: I, I think it was this moment too. when I could overhear when Lulu and Zelda were watching it. I think it was after the blood goo thing, where she kills the mother um, crawler, that she drops the like antler, or whatever that she stabbed her with. Mm-hmm. And I heard Zelda say, i mean, Zelda say the same thing I said. I'm like, why didn't you keep that, hat?") <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Truly, that is a pep. You uh-huh. see them drop the instrument. I'm like, I know that's because you want to see them struggle more later, but God fucking damn it. You guys are all smart till <laughs> now.
3: Well, and I, I, speaking of, okay, so. The Descent, I think, is a, is a smart title, too, because there's, again, multiple layers to it. You know, they're actually descending. It's sort of like they're descending into hell. There's that aspect to it. But it's also Sarah's sort of descent, especially if you keep the British ending, into basically losing her mind. And by the time that she's emerging from that blood pool, she has gone completely feral. She is, like, running around like the creatures. She's killing. She's, like, just as – she is kind of snapped. And she almost in some way kind of – becomes a villain in a sense to the surviving woman because I mean, she, you know, hampers poor Juno. And it's, it's sort of like this, it's sort of like this, this aspect of her kind of becoming one with the creatures. It's sort of an interesting juxtaposition where she's like starting off as the hero but by the end of it she's kind of the villain in a way.
4: Yeah. You're so right. This movie is fucking perfect. I'm sorry but this movie is perfect. It's perfect. That's all I have to say about it. It's got
1: great complexity and so much symbolism. I like you. I didn't realize at first that it was a man who had written it as well and I thought then upon discovering that I thought okay maybe he did what I've always dreamt of doing He wrote a classic script knowing about, you know, the patriarchy and how things are seen and just flipped it. He said, okay, now we cast women for the men and men for the women. And, you know, in the beginning you have this man cheering on all these badass female athletes just going for it and going out there on the river. And, you know, there's also these ideas of them as discoverers. There have been other people there before. Mm -hmm. And now it's these women who are going to be the next discoverers and, you know. Are they going to actually conquer it or not? And all those ideas of them there before and who gets out last. I thought was super, super cool.
3: Yeah. And there was um, also another interview with with Marshall where he was talking about, because before this, he did Dog Soldiers. I don't know if, if you've ever seen it, but oh, it's a yeah. werewolf movie. Yeah. And it's a pr- pretty much a predominantly male casting. There might be a single female character. And so he kind of was talking about that. And then he was also, there was like an article that he saw online about how um, British people are making really good movies, but they're not making anything really scary. And so he kind of like, I think had those two ideas of like, well, my last film was predominantly male. I want to do a movie that is predominantly female. And also I want to scare the crap out of people because it was kind of given to him as sort of like a challenge in this online article he saw. And I just think that's, that's fascinating that you can have him make something that is so testosterone filled with dog soldiers. And then he creates such interesting, intriguing, and complex female characters that it just, it seems like incongruous to each other. And I I just think that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, it feels like he
4: thought about his characters as people and not as gender. You know what I mean? Like, they feel like characters that were written without being concerned and like centering their identity on their gender (laughs) identity, which I think was a really helpful thing for this Mm -hmm. movie.
5: Quick question about Dog Soldiers. If
4: I'm so I haven't seen it in a little while, but I feel like one
5: of the main characters is a woman who in the end is the big reveal. Right?
3: I think so. Who it has been so long since I've in seen fact, it. fact,
5: like and I thought that was cool when I watched it. I think that she is the ultimate werewolf. Isn't isn't
4: that what happens?
3: I think so. Again, yeah. it, it, I Sorry. saw the movie before I saw The Descent so long ago. <laughs> so, yeah.
4: Do we want to wrap up and give this our rating out of five? Did we talk about everything? I know there's like a million things we could talk about with this movie forever, but it really is. let's do it. Oh, I know what I'm going to give it. All right. Well, first off, Terry, how many pools of blood goo do you give to this up? <laughs>
3: I there's no beating around the bush. This is a five-star perfect movie for me. I love this movie. I love this movie when I saw it on this counterfeit DVD that I had. I loved it when I saw it in the movie theater minus the ending change. I've loved it probably the dozens of times I've seen it since then. Every time I watch this movie, I pick up something different. I think it's absolutely terrifying. Like I said, I jumped last night and I've seen this movie probably 20 times. Uh I just I think this movie is perfect. I don't I don't think I would ever change a single thing about it. So Unabashedly, five blood goo pits out of five for me. What about you, Mary Beth?
4: Five, five blood goo pits out of five. It, this movie is incredible. I we've said all the incredible things. It's complex. It's terrifying. It makes me, it scares me every time I watch it. It's just beautifully shot. Everything about it. It's just like a perfect horror movie. So five out of five. Um, Adam's Family. What rating would you give the Descent? How many? B- Pools of blood goo. Would you give this uh, either in the family or individually? That's whatever you prefer. Let's on
0: a of three. One, two,
3: three, five. Five. Yay! <laughs> it's a unanimous. It's <laughs>
5: unanimous.
3: Do you have any last lingering thoughts you guys want to share on on the descent for with your rating?
5: I just want to say that the attention to every single detail, from storytelling to cinematography. To paying attention to the little shots, there's so many little shots that they spend a lot of time to get to the eyeballs of the monsters. The attention yeah. to detail is marvelous. Sure, yeah, fucking is
1: something that makes you think about it after for a while. And all of us having seen it even more than once, and we still can sit on it, be scared by jump scares, be upset by character deaths, and really ruminate on it and have a lot to think about and interpret, I think that is just a great film. Yes. Simply put, it's just
6: badass. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it.
5: Hello? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, we love you guys too. Thank you. This was a super fun conversation. So, so fun. Mm-hmm.
3: Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us to, to talk about the descent and finally bringing it to the show. I have, since we started this, this was one of the movies that I have been dying to talk with about. So I am so glad you guys brought it. So thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. Where can our listeners find you? And what do you have that you can share?
0: Oh, sure. So our website is wonderwheelproductions.com. And all of our films can be kind of checked out there, and uh, yeah, Hellbender's coming out, and we're making a new
4: one when the devil roams.
5: Hell yeah! And we're on Spotify, musically, and uh, you know YouTube, and all that kind of stuff. And but it's Hellbender with sixes as ease.
4: And that, guys, oh, listeners, this will be on the show notes, so we can guys can look at that just so you know. I'm pointing down as if this is a video. (laughs) As (laughs) if this is going up as a video. (laughs) Um,
3: So, are you guys working on uh, a new movie? Is that what you said? Or have you shot it? We
5: are. We're doing a period piece called uh, When the Devil Roams. Hell yeah. Period piece. Oh, a period piece.
3: Oh. Yeah. Yep.
4: That sounds (laughs) incredible.
3: (laughs) Here for that. Cool.
4: Um, all right, listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with the descent? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McGandrews,
3: And I'm at Dreadful.
4: And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast.
3: And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe.
4: Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy.
3: And until next time. <laughs>